0: You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. You're listening to the Athletic Equestrian Riding in College podcast. I'm your podcast host, Sally Batten, and I spent over 35 years coaching collegiate equestrian teams.
1: Looking for fun equestrian apparel and accessories? Dapple Bay has got you covered. From fun tees with sassy sayings to gorgeous limited edition matchy-matchy sets for horse and rider, there is something for everyone at Dapple Bay. Find our online shop at dapplebay.com. And if you're looking for community, join us in our Facebook group called The Barn Isle. It's a supportive, fun, virtual version of the real thing. We can't wait to see you there and become barn besties. Welcome back, everyone,
0: to the Athletic Equestrian Riding in College podcast. I'm your podcast host, Sally Batten. And I've been interviewing collegiate coaches and riders and organizations and affiliated organizations uh, about riding in college, but it's really turned into more than that. And our guest today, you'll see why I say it's more than that. I'd like to welcome Leah Kaufman, who is the CEO creative director, and artist behind Dapple Bay, Dapple Bay, which is a top-selling equestrian apparel and accessories brand. The creative mind behind Dapple Bay's sassy sayings and unique products, uh, Leah fully conceives the equine designs for the company's attire and accessories. She not only built Dapple Bay into a successful business, but also uses the company to celebrate a shared passion for horses between the consumer and herself. And my uh, daughter, Jenna, who's also my director of marketing, is a big fan. And we met Leah at the Equine Affair. And that's how uh, we came to here. Here we are today. So welcome, Leah, to the podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, uh, we love your designs and we <laughs> love your products. So before we get to that, I think it's important for, for my listeners to know how you started riding, where you grew up, where you started riding, and then also your college search. Cause I know that you rode in the IHSA in college.
2: I did. Yeah. So I, thank my mom for making horses possible for me. She was a horse lover herself, um, but didn't get to ride. So when she saw that I had that same love, she really made it her priority to make sure I could have horses in my life. So you're so lucky. (laughs) I know, I know she truly was my advocate. Um, so as soon as I was old enough, I took weekly riding lessons at, uh, the, Eastside Riding Academy. So I grew up in Seattle. So that was okay. a drive across the bridge to um the Bellevue area, which at that time you know was more rural. Uh now it's completely built up out there. But mm. weekly lessons. Um and she drove me farther and farther out as I progressed and needed to have <laughs> uh you know more. Uh, advanced instruction. So right. I focused mostly on dressage actually. Oh, had an incredible dressage trainer and was able to show some really awesome lesson horses at dressage competitions. Uh, but that's my background. I ended up getting my first horse when I was 13 off the track through a red mare. And- oh my
0: goodness. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know, I've heard that before from people I've interviewed. How did that go? Well, um, you know, I think my mom and I were just in love with that horse. We saw her and she she was beautiful, but we, you know, had driven, I think, you know, three hours to go see this horse that I found on Craigslist. And <laughs> there she is, tied to the barn, you know, backing up, like pulling, yeah, pulling back. Yeah. Totally freaked out. And all I could think is that is the most beautiful horse I've (laughs) ever seen. And I think my mom must've felt the same way because there really wasn't much of a hesitation. You know, she knew, Oh, this horse is going to be a handful, but I think her like inner horse girl was also (laughs) present that day.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Because lady proceeded to, um, she didn't actually break her halter that time she did go on to do that many <laughs> more times as my horse but uh uh-huh. refused every single jump in the arena before jumping over it and oh, so true love yeah somehow neither of us thought that that might pose an issue for my desire to um, excel in pony club so right <laughs> she was quite a challenge um and i have tons of stories about her but That mare taught me so much and she was a good girl. I mean, she got me safely home. I would ride that horse all over the place with my friends. You know, we would get onto the airstrip and gallop our horses down the, you know, down the flat grass. We have so many stories. (laughs) So when I look back, you know, I thought always thought she was kind of this crazy off the track thoroughbred, but you know, she did keep me safe. Um that's great. So yeah. I loved that mare. Yeah. Um, and that's actually it kind of ties into where I ended up going to school because okay. I had lady and didn't want to leave her behind, wouldn't be able to bring her to school with me anywhere. So I actually went to school locally at the University of Washington. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you you lived at home, you mean? Um, so I actually, well, I went to school like five minutes from my house. So, oh, okay. yeah, so grew up in Seattle and University of Washington was, you know, just right up the hill from where I lived. Um, so I was actually in a sorority during college, but, uh, my horse still lived in the same spot. So I kind of made that decision so that I could have her and keep riding through college. Gotcha.
0: So how did you, so you didn't go there specifically for the IHSA team, but how did you find out about it?
2: You know, I can't even really remember how I did. Maybe it was um, like an informational bulletin somewhere. Right. Um, You know, we had the the hub, which was kind of like the main place where you would go eat and there'd be information there. I think that's definitely where we had our meetings. Um, I can't remember how I found out, but but yeah, that was super fun. A way to meet people and um kind of introduce to a different side of riding cuz our team also had western. Um so that was really fun. So so you rode both? Mhm. I did.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> awesome.
2: Yeah. That was really cool. I think that was my favorite part.
0: Yeah. And um so what what did you study in school?
2: So I actually studied graphic design. Um, Ah. That was another reason why I chose the University of Washington. They had a really great, still have a really great visual communications design is the name of the program. So when I applied, I was aiming for that program. Um, I'm lucky I got in because I only applied to one college. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So
0: um, so you were artistic growing up or how did you know that that's
2: what you wanted to do? I mean, yeah, I've always been an artist at heart, you know, loved art class in school um, and figured that design would be a way for me to kind of bridge the gap between being an artist and like having a real job. <laughs> right, right. Because I knew that was important too. Right. So you get your degree and then what, where where did you go? Well, I graduated in 2008, which was um, not a great year for someone looking for a job because the economy just totally had crashed. Um, So I was lucky enough to get paid internship at a, it was a book producing company, actually, uh-huh. Which was close to where my horse lived. So that was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, I worked at the book company and learned all about book production and book design and you know, type typography layout, um wow. design. Um, that was my first, you know, my first real job. And then from there I really had a series of contract positions because it was so hard to find a full-time position. So okay. I did a lot of different contract work. Um but honestly it was it was so wonderful looking back because I got to work on so many different projects with so many different teams um and I would just be brought in kind of when there was a project going so I really had to learn on the fly and I credit that experience um for my you know skill set that I have now which is pretty vast and enabled me to like go start a company with some confidence. So I think being kind of thrown to the wolves as a young designer um, really, really prepped me. Um, so it actually wasn't until we, I moved to Georgia with my then boyfriend now husband Okay, 2011. Um, So yeah, I actually was able to move with him because I was doing so much freelance work that. I was like, okay, sure. I can move across the country. And that's when Dapple Base started kind of as this manifestation of my, (laughs) my passion for horses and design. And then truly it was a way for me to meet people because as you know, it can be hard to break into the horse community when you're not from, from that place. so yeah, I would set up my little t-shirt booth at horse shows all over the Southeast. And that's how I <laughs> ended up making friends. Wow.
0: Well, I want to hear more about um, the company, but did you take your horse with you?
2: I sure did. Cause okay. you can't go to Georgia without your horse.
0: <laughs> gotcha.
2: So my heart horse lady had sadly passed away, um, 20 or 2010. Okay. Um, yeah. Great uh, it was this great place that I was living with my best friend at the time. Um, but unfortunately ended in like a real tragedy, um, because we had always wanted to live somewhere where our horses were in the backyard. And so we did this really cool place and our horses were there and we got to ride together. Um, but unfortunately she suffered a pasture injury. um, So yeah, that was terrible, but, um, but I did end up with my horse that I have now, uh, pie Caribbean pirate, another off the track thoroughbred. Okay. (laughs) And he's the one that came with me to Georgia.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, so you have the idea of what, what, of selling t-shirts and you you're going around to horse shows, I would imagine. And, and what, what were the t-shirts? What were some of your early kind of designs and slogans?
2: So my very first one was Live Free and Jump XC.
0: (laughs) Oh, very nice.
2: (laughs) Because I was really into eventing with Pi. Got um, it. Yeah, I thought that was cool. So there was that one and then 99 Problems, but a Ditch Ain't One.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So everything was very eventing and cross-country oriented. Exactly. Yeah.
2: So that was the, you know, those were a couple of the first ones I had. And, yeah. you know, then my shirts got featured on Eventing Nation. And that is really what I would credit with my first big break right. uh, for my online shop. Um, So yeah, after that feature, I started selling more online and Dapple Bay really became more of a, you know, business versus just a fun thing that I was doing.
0: Wow, that's awesome yeah it, sometimes that's all it takes in the horse world, right? It's just something that that strikes people's fancy and and it takes off.
2: Yeah, so that was really fun. Um, and then we did end up moving back up here to the Pacific Northwest in 2013. So I only got to be in Georgia for a couple years. I still I still dream about moving back to the southeast. Um,
0: because of weather, the people, what did you love about it?
2: I loved the weather. I loved the horsey scene and yeah. I met two of my best friends, um, down there. So awesome. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so starting from humble beginnings, then, then what happened with your company?
2: So we moved back up here because my husband's job moved back up here and, yeah, this is just a very expensive part of the country to live in. So I got a regular regular design job. Um, and then was at that job for I think about a year, and then found the job that I was at for over seven years. So I worked oh. at a really awesome marketing agency uh, called M Agency. And that is really where I've spent the majority of my career. Um and Dapple Bay became just more of a side side hustle fun thing. So the company always existed, but was really more of a creative outlet for me. Right. And also because I was in marketing, it was a testing ground for, you know, ideas and techniques in marketing um, so that I could experiment, you know, on Dapple Bay and then take what I learned and apply it for my clients at the agency. So that's really, oh, wow Yeah.
0: So it wasn't the other way around. It wasn't that what you were learning at your job helped you with Dapple Bay.
2: I mean, probably some of both, but I remember, you know, okay, I'm going to learn how to do Facebook advertising so that I could really understand it, you know, and Dapple Bay was always a great testing ground for that kind of, that kind of uh, learning.
0: So you're, you're plugging along with it kind of as a side
2: job. How how did it turn into a full full time? Well, so during COVID, that's really um, in twenty twenty. You know, the whole world halted, right? And there yeah. was this light shone on small e commerce businesses, and it seemed like the world suddenly was like, oh, we can get stuff online, and we need to support these small businesses. So really without much effort on my part, my business seemed to just take off. Um, So I decided, okay, well, this feels like a wave of opportunity. So I jumped on that wave and put more time and effort into creating new products and doing marketing, you know, being present on social media and emailing my email list. And my business really grew Mm. 2020 so much so that in 2021 i needed to step back from my full-time commitment because wow I was totally overwhelmed with you know how much how much the business had grown so right so yeah it's been almost 2 years at this point that dapple bay has been my my full-time focus
0: so explain more. Uh, if somebody has never been to your website, your website is dapplebay.com. So uh, I recommend everyone go and look, but explain um, what kind of products you have. I know you have some beautiful designs that we love. So um, just talk about that kind of thing. What, what, what all is involved?
2: Yeah. So apparel accessories recently launched into horseware. So the matchy matchy sets have been super fun. And I think my customers really love them. I so love what, the what's matters.
0: matching shirts to quarter sheets or what, what is the horse wearing? That the horse
2: has a little fly bonnet. He has boots and saddle pad, and then the rider has a matching top. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, so I realized that there wasn't really anyone doing um, patterns. So you can buy these gorgeous matching sets in, you know, myriad of beautiful colors. But it was nearly impossible to find anything that had a pattern. And that's really my thing is, you know, intricate designs and, you know, fun slogans and um, the patterns felt like something that I could create. So I got really into learning about pattern design and um, developed some patterns and then developed these products uh, to all match. And it was a success. So that has now become um, part of my product line. So I think that's the most fun with Dapple Bay is really it's about expressing, expressing yourself and, you know, looking different, looking unique. And, you know, it's the whole thing essence of fun that I think can get lost in, (laughs) in equestrianism sometimes. So my company is really about making sure it's all about having fun, putting the horse first. So my products have definitely evolved to be what my customers want to buy. So I regularly will pull my audience and, you know, ask them like what products they would want to see, what type of designs they want to see, what colors, and so that really has influenced like what I'm doing um, at the end of the day. It's all about like what they want to buy, uh, right. what they want to gift. And so I think that's been really cool over the years to see how the products have evolved, because truly it's about how my customers have evolved. Right. And um, just talking
0: at on a real uh, nuts and bolts level, how... Uh, you know, T-shirts I get where you can source those and, and get them screen printed or whatever, but, but how did you find your suppliers for, for your, you know, I guess, hard goods for the actual, so that you could get your text, your designs put on them or, or whatever. Did you have some kind of fits and starts with, with getting those set
2: up? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think every part of business at least this business has been um, a learning opportunity.
1: <laughs> right. And
2: product development certainly is um, one of them. Um, so yeah, for each type of product that I have, actually, I've had to go through that process because I don't have one manufacturer. I have I have like five different manufacturers so depending on what the product is and even you know how many of the product i can get um i have different manufacturers so i started on alibaba um researching on alibaba and then you know communicating with these manufacturers overseas um you go through a process where you get samples and mm. Kind of that's how you can figure out, okay, is this going to work or not? Um, and it's a long, uh, expensive process. Mm. So. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I would caution anyone, um, you know, just be patient and just build it into the cost that you know. Um, you just have to assume that it's going to cost money to do the product development. Right. Uh, because it's never going to be the first product you get is going to be perfect. There's, right. Going to be multiple iterations. Right. And did you have any duds? <laughs> did oh, you have absolutely. anything
0: that you designed or, and just nobody wanted it?
2: You know, I had one product that I was so excited about that just was not. <laughs> and it was this, I thought it was so cute. It was like a keychain bag charm with like multiple little charms on it. Uh huh. And I was so excited about it, but it just did not. <laughs> not sell. And I was so confused, but I think that just happens sometimes. um yeah. and I think that really taught me to ask my audience before just right. assuming that I know that what they want to buy. Um So yeah, that's definitely a refinement process of,
1: right. okay,
2: idea, but then we have to see if the idea has legs and right not every idea needs to become reality. So that- yeah. Yeah. That has been a tough challenge for me as a creative person.
0: Yeah. I I went through that a little bit. I have um, my athletic equestrian, you know, vests and jackets. And for a while there I was selling fleece. And so I would find things that I liked. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm <laughs> I'm 62 and I'd show up with them and show them to to my daughter, uh, business partner, Jenna. And I'd be like, look, aren't these great? She's like, oh, good luck selling those, mom. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, isn't
2: it hilarious? Yeah. Oh.
0: And listening to the customers, like horse people want coats and vests that are slippery on the outside, right? Because they're in their cleaning stalls.
2: Absolutely. They don't want
0: items that everything's going to stick to.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, and... Yeah, so those are things to be cognizant of, but I just also think there's gonna be cost associated with any venture and some of it's gonna be an oops (laughs) we learned. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And filling orders, do
0: you do all that yourself or do you have people that work for you? How 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 big are you now at this point?
2: Yeah, so I think that would be my you know biggest struggle this past year has been The business grew so quickly Mm. that um, I, in 2020 hindsight, right, I probably grew the business too quickly um, because this year was really all about figuring out like, okay, how do I sustain this volume because I can't do it all. Um, So I now have a warehouse. So I was fulfilling all the orders myself and had my basement fully set up with all my inventory. Uh, But I've since moved to a warehouse um, and I have a team that does fulfillment. So that's been fantastic. However, it's not without its challenges, right? Because now I have to plan in extra time um, because I have to get products in and then they have to go into their system and then that has to fit onto their schedule. So I can no longer just get products in and sell them right when they're here. Right. Because it's a, you know, a separate company that I'm working with. So, and then along with that, they have employees that they have to train. And sometimes those employees make mistakes or they get sick on the same day that I do a huge giant sale.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: so, you know, there's, it's like every level of business, there just seems to be a new set of challenges. Um, but yeah, this year was so much about my back end systems to be able to support the level of sales. Right. So it's been right. a it's been a hard year from like a operations right. perspective. Right. And you know, not to get into
0: details or numbers or anything, but um did you finance the start of the company yourself since you were working full time?
2: You know, it's really just been financed based on what I could sell. So for a long time, I did a print on demand business model, which meant that only as orders were coming in, they were getting fulfilled. Um, So that is just not scalable. So that's a great way to start a brand. But that is something else that I have had to figure out is how do I get away from this, you know, one to one to one to 300, one to 400, one to 500.
1: Wow. So wow. yeah, that
2: initial investment in the product has been another challenge this year. Yeah. Um, so self-funded, you know, fortunately there are um, different capital options for e-commerce sellers. Like after COVID, there was all this um, focus on e-com brands, right? And then all of these companies figured out how to fill the gaps so you know from my warehouse and fulfillment company which is a startup company it's like they created a product that e-commerce sellers needed um, because a traditional fulfillment company would require something like two thousand orders a month but mm. the company that um, i'm working with if you have 60 orders a month you can have them do your fulfillment so they came in and filled this gap in the market. And then same with funding, where traditionally it would be really hard to get a line of credit or working capital for an e-com business that doesn't have a bunch of assets to show, right. or maybe is new. Um, Shopify has capital available based on your sales history. Uh, PayPal does, and there's a bunch of other companies that you can you can get funding and then they just, you pay it back through a percentage of your sales. Oh, so, nice. So, yeah, I feel like there are a lot of different options um, right. that kind of help with that. However, it's still all expensive because you're paying your percent. You know, it's less than putting it on a credit card, but you're still, you know, you're still paying to get that money. Right.
0: Right. And, and how did you learn all this? Just self-taught?
2: Yeah. Self-taught. I feel like there's also a great community of equestrian business owners that I've just become friends with over the years of having Dapple Bay. So I have lots of friends who have businesses that are like a little bit ahead of mine and being able to reference them um, has been invaluable.
0: Well, that's great. Well, as as we wind down here, I always ask everyone on the podcast, what do you like to do besides horses and your business?
2: Oh, man, is there anything else? (laughs) Right. (laughs) What do I like to do? Um, Well, I love my dogs and I love my husband. So (laughs) I actually really love traveling. So we we were just talking before we got onto recording about um, going to the UK. And my husband and I went for the first time to England this summer and we just fell in love. So I think I really love travel and I think okay. I really love international travel with my husband. Great, great.
0: Well, thank you, Leah, so much for being on the podcast and and telling us not only about your company, but its evolution. And it's very exciting. And I think our listeners will really enjoy your story.
1: Podcast host Sally Batten is booking clinics and would love to travel to your barn. Sally brings a wealth of knowledge to help every rider from beginners to accomplished athletes. Her positive, upbeat teaching style will help all riders improve, and she brings along her teaching tools to help fix bad habits. Sally teaches both on the flat and over fences, is a certified polo cross coach, and has recently started teaching clinics in Equisize, which is aerobics on horseback. Contact her today to book your clinic at AthleticEquestrian at gmail.com. That's AthleticEquestrian at gmail.com. Thank you for
0: listening to the Athletic Equestrian podcast. If you'd like more information on this podcast or any of our other podcasts, you can contact me at AthleticEquestrian at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by Jack Boyata, and the music is by Kitcher.